0: I like that song. That's the you know that's the number one song in the country according to, to uh, uh, not Casey Kasem. I wish Casey Kasem were back. God, I'm telling you what I I've gotten to the point where one of my se- Sunday morning rituals was listening to, the, you know the Jesus Christ Show, which you hate, and then I listen. I, You're right. I, I do. I, I bump over to uh, to uh, Ryan Seacrest. God, he's gotten so bad on that show. He it's like calling, you know it's just like calling it in. I mean he's that's he, what he does every day. It's just bad. I mean he's not doing he's not doing like. And he, dear, dear Casey, my dog died And I, I, I like I, My dog's name was Chuckles And I don't get huh. a chuckle because my dog's name was Chuckles Because, you know, that was case That was good stuff Ryan Seacrest, not so great And you know what, and, and what's interesting is he, This last week he was talking about Different cities and how they, they name the different cities Like, you know, like you, you have like the Garden City You know, and like we're the gateway to the west You know what Houston is? What? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Now, I'm thinking to myself, what in the, he said that. I'm going like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. What does that mean? That's what he said. You're in, you're out. I guess that was what he called Houston, you know, because like, what, what, and see, what's interesting is we live in the Gateway City, and if you ask a hundred people, they don't really know the meaning of that. Do you know the meaning to the Gateway City? Do you really, seriously? Of course I don't. You don't really? No. Okay. St. Louis was the last spot of civilization before you headed west. When you were like, if you decided you wanted to make your fortune, you're going to go to California or you're going to go out west and you're going to stake a claim and you're going to try to find gold or you're going to, you know, get a farm or stuff like that. St. Louis was the place you came to. And keep in mind that, like, back in the day, if you go back over 100 years ago, 118 years to be exact, is that right? 118, 118. Yeah, 118 years ago, St. Louis was the fourth largest city in the country. It was New York. I think it was New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and St. Louis. As you went further west, the cities became smaller. I mean, Kansas City was like was like two bars and and a railroad track. You know what I mean? I mean, there was nothing in Kansas City. Right. And once you got to Denver, there were like ten dudes in Denver and and, and four of them were like miners, and four of them were like drunks, and two of them were like you know ladies that hung out at the saloon. You know they were like the the you know the gals in the skirts. You know you always see that like in the cowboy movies. There's always the gals with ladies the big, of easy, easy virtue. Well, whatever they are, they're lady with the big monstrous skirts. Okay, okay. When you came to St. Louis, it was the gateway to the west because this was the starting point for moving to the west. Matter of fact, in Overland. At the corner of Walton and Lackland, there is a plaque that's dedicated to the Overland Trail. Overland was named after the Overland Trail, and it was a trail you used to head west. And people came here, and what was down on the riverfront was down on, you know, in in downtown St. Louis where the Arch is and where the Laclede's Landing were all these places. They were provision places. They sold saddles, and you could buy horses, and you could buy wagons, and you'd buy beef jerky and all that kind of stuff because you were getting ready to head west. And this was so the, can we, oh, never mind, I'm sorry, go the, on. This was the gateway to the west. So that's what the gateway arch is about and the whole bit. But nobody, you know, you ask a hundred people, they go, I don't know, gateway, what does that mean? What's the arch stand for? I don't know, it's a big, it's like an upside, it's, 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 they should have a guy on the other side of the river with a big dude with a croquet mallet, you know, where the guy's going to hit a, like a croquet ball across the river through the, through the arch, you know, whatever. But that's the, the whole gateway arch thing. See 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 all the stuff you learned from this show? I do. I walk away with the golden nugget every day. And you have you have no idea about Houston being called the Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am City. Correct. Yeah. And you know what Sauje's called, don't you? Um Well, now it's called Joe Roganville, but it, <laughs> Oh, it is not. <laughs> Okay, last last hour we were talking about talking the talk and walking the walk, okay? And once again, with this pandemic thing, how many hypocrites have you seen? Like, remember, we're in the, the, the depths of the, of the uh, like, back two years ago. You know, like, let's say it was like April, May of 2020. We're coming up on two years ago. And everything in San Francisco was shut down. California was shut down. You couldn't do anything. But yet, Nancy Pelosi got her hair done at her hairstylist in San Francisco, Okay. Were you far that well, she did? probably said, "Don't you know who I am?" But that's exactly what she said, and the and the, and the gal had the, how it, how they proved that it was her. The gal had a security camera system, you know, at her salon, and they found they somebody found it on the tape that the owner of the salon had secretly met her at the salon to have her hair done, and you know once again. None of them had their masks on. The whole thing, all this kind of stuff. This London breed, the gal who's the the mayor of San Francisco. You know, you gotta have your mask on. Yet she's pictured at some club, some nightclub, where nobody in the place had their mask on. You know, and once again, it's like it's like okay. You know what? I get it. If you're going to say, um, you know, if you're going to say I never I never drink, don't be caught at a bar slamming down at Jack Daniels. You know what I'm saying? I mean, don't be caught with a shot glass in your hand, tilting back, you know, a drink. You know, that's not right. You know, and it's like, it's like the ultimate thing is like, remember, you don't even remember this. We talked about this a long time ago. The Gary Hart thing. Remember Gary Hart? I know we talked about him, but no. Gary Hart. Wasn't he a comedian? No, he was a politician. He was going to run for president. He was like a senator from, I think he was from Utah and and he was he was having an affair with this young gal Donna Rice and and this is interesting because this is the beginning of like sort of what they call the um you know I mean 60 minutes started it but they don't do it anymore 60 minutes has gotten sort of weird but sort of the the ambush journalism kind of thing you know what i mean the idea being is like if a politician and the whole story was there was a rumor that he was having, he was running for president, and there was a rumor he was having an affair with this woman, okay? And he denied, I, I have nothing to do with her. I don't even know who she is. So, so I think it was the Miami Herald, a reporter at the Miami 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 Herald, I believe this lady lived in Miami, and they got a tip from an anonymous source. Somebody called the newsroom, I can't remember the exact story, but they got an anonymous tip that the the lady that, that Gary Wright, Gary Hart was having an affair with was flying into dc and she was going to spend the weekend with him at some place he owned in washington dc so they got like three or four of the reporters from the newspaper and one of them i think one of them flew on the plane and actually was on the same plane with her they were shadowing her the reporter was shadowing her and then when they got to the airport you know, in DC, he followed her, and then they staked out. They had two or three other journalists stake out Gary Hart's s- s house. He had like one of those we call it, a brownstone or something like that, where they're like a whole row of houses are all connected. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Okay. So, and they so sh- they saw her going into the place with with Gary Hart, and they stayed there 24/7, and she didn't come out until like a day and a half later. So, guess what's going on? You know, I mean, you know, you don't have to be, a, you know, a journalist to figure out what's going on there, right? So they confront him, and he denies it. And then what's really interesting is, this is the funny part of the whole thing, pictures showed up where he took her on a cruise, he took her on like this little one of the excursion cruises off the coast of Florida or something like that, and... They had a picture taken You know how if, you, if you've ever been on a cruise before When you come off the gangplank There's a photographer there and he takes a picture And there's like the lifesaver with the name of the boat You know what I'm talking about? That's like the classic picture everybody gets You go on a cruise, you get the picture with you standing in front of the lifesaver It has the name of the boat, right? You know what I'm saying? I do Okay, there was a picture that they took of him and her On this little cruise And they're standing in front of the lifesaver And the name of the boat is You ready for this? Monkey business. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> monkey business. Matter, matter fact, That's what me and my mom <laughs> used to say to each other. Matter of fact, I don't need any of your monkey business, <laughs> Shelly Barr. I think Shelly Wallman. I think to this day you can still find. find. I mean, I'll just type in. Let me I'll Google this monkey. <laughs> I just kind of type monkey business picture, and I bet you anybody comes up. P-U-S-I-N-E-S-S business. I can't type real picture. P-I-C-T-U-R-E. And we'll see what comes up. Uh, There's a bunch of monkeys. (laughs) It's not what I thought. Oh, here, here. Let me me explain. Would you think they were plushies? No. (laughs) No, they're called furries. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Furries, plushies. It's all the same. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Hold on a minute. Uh, I can't find. Darn it. I can't type right. Oh, Hold on, He's clearly just got a virus, <laughs> Gary. Gary Hart, monkey business, m o n k e y, b u s i n e s s. Okay, uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> he, he's. It was on the front cover of the National Enquirer. course, uh, are they still around? Um, monkey business revisited. Uh, this was this was a story in 2018. Uh, and the, the title of the story is Monkey Business, uh, it's been 31 years since the lurid tale of former U.S. Uh, Senator Gary Hart, he was from Colorado, I got the wrong state, and his alleged dalliance with model Donna Rice dominated headlines and knocked the earnest brainy Colorado Democrat out of the presidential race. As Paul Bedard of our sister paper, Washington Examiner, puts it, Gary Hart had it all, maybe too much. The presumed 1988 Democratic presidential frontrunner was considered a good bet to beat Vice President George H.W. Bush to succeed Ronald Reagan. That was the interesting thing. He was going up against, uh, this was at the end of the uh, Ronald Reagan's tour, the tour of duty, so to speak, and uh, the two guys were going to be Vice President George H.W. Bush and uh, and this Gary Hart. In 1987, then 15-year-old Senator Hart, amid rumors of his womanizing, basically challenged... That was the thing. He challenged the reporters. I missed that part of the story. He essentially says, I'm not having an affair. You guys can follow me around. You'll find out I'm not doing anything. So he challenged the reporters to investigate his private life. The gauntlet was thrown. Yes. uh, Miami Herald. I was right. Which led to the Miami Herald staking out his D.C. townhouse and reporting that the 29-year-old Rice visited him there while Hart's wife was in Colorado. So his wife's in Colorado. He invites... Donna Rice up to his place in D.C., his townhouse in D.C., and the reporters from the Miami Herald were tailing her. But the story still has enough vinegar to the movie makers, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and the movie, The Front Runner, has come home to Colorado making... Uh, anyway, it's a whole long story. That was the whole deal. So he, once again, he challenged the reporters. And and once... So now, see, what's interesting about this is, in my lifetime, the reporters have gone from Protecting politicians to just stalking them. I mean, you think? Oh, what? It, like there was also the stories of John F. Kennedy. I mean, he had all sorts of crazy, weird affairs. Remember, there's the gal who was like 18 years old who was swimming in the in the in the White House swimming pool with him naked. You know, I mean, stuff like that. And the reporters knew that. They never said anything. You know, there's certain things eh, you just don't you do know, write about stuff like that. Well, then it comes along the National Enquirer, you know, along with UFO stories and things like that. You know, um, lady picked up by UFO and taken to another planet where there was a in and out Burger which she had dinner at. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, that didn't yeah, happen, yeah. right? You know, all these bizarre, weird stories. So once again that was like the turning point of journalism and probably the biggest turning point of journalism was before it was like the the you know the the, the Watergate thing with you know Woodward and Bernstein because once again they had a tip that there are all these nasty things going on with president you know nixon that he was doing all these underhand things and because he was trying to get reelected in 72 and that he pulled off all these little you know little shenanigans and broke into the democrat headquarters and you know the water see that's the whole watergate the watergate is a hotel it's a hotel and apartment complex in dc actually i think it's in virginia and and that's that's how it came to be known as the watergate incident and everybody talks about the watergate you know, how'd that come up you know that's the watergate but once again so what happened was back in then that's my generation of journalists you had all these young people who were like you know who were like super journalists who were going to they were going to find the truth no matter what they were going to dig and dig and dig and dig and they were going to dig and they were going to find all the facts not like today where they sit in their office and they go online and go oh look here's a story about i told you this stupid story about me with crap Remember, I got interviewed by Dan Caesar of the Post-Dispatch. He took me I remember to, that. He took me to lunch when we switched call letters and went sports on crap. He took me to lunch, sat there with his notebook, interviewed. Actually, it was, I mean, it was, it was a wonderful time, and him had a great time. He asked me some tough questions. I mean, he really was a good reporter. He had a little notebook, took reports. I think he recorded me, too. And then he went back and wrote the article on crap, okay? Over the course of a month, there were probably 50 or 60 Articles that appeared all over the internet about me and crap. And nobody, I never talked to any of those people. All they did was just rewrite the post-dispatch article. That's the point I'm making. The, today's they wanted their point out there. What's that? No, they were just being lazy. They could have called me. I mean, like, <laughs> Shelley knows this story well. Someone who, she w- who we won't name, who quote-unquote declared themselves a journalist for a local magazine... Had the job of interviewing me You know what I'm talking about Don't you Shelly I do And (laughs) There's a lot of stuff On the internet about me That is BS And most of it I put there As ha ha funny funny I put all sorts of stories About me on the internet Which are Total fabrications All sorts of crazy stuff Okay And including If you go look at my Facebook page I have my wrong place of birth I have my wrong birth date on it Everything's wrong Okay so this person submitted this article to the editor, who happens to be a friend of Shelley's. Am I getting the story correct? You are. <laughs> and she starts reading this story that the reporter who interviewed me, who recorded the interview, had written and said, I don't know if this seems right. So she calls you up. Right before it was supposed to go to the press wasn't did she call like you know, like you know Sunday and the, the paper had to go to press on the magazine had to go to press on Monday wasn't that the story something like that yes <laughs> and she starts asking you these questions okay Shelley where was Brad born and everything in the article about me that never got printed it did get printed but it got ed, the editor pi- picked it out because the editor who shall remain nameless is a good journalist she knows what she's doing the reporter did not know what she was doing would you agree with me on that affirmative yes okay so she said asking you all these questions like it says here that brad did blah 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 and you went you laughed right no he never did that right because why she went on the internet and found all these stories about me that i planted on the internet which are all bogus where they're funny stories but they're you know they're weird bogus things And, and 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 and, and she probably thought she was doing a deep dive into you. <laughs> right. And For example, my I'll give you my little hint. My classic tale of where I was born is Peculiar, Missouri. I wish I'd been born in Peculiar, Missouri because I love the town. If you know where it's at, it's, it's southeast of Kansas City. It's sort of, sort of somewhere between Kansas City and Springfield. It's a little town called Peculiar. And it truly is a little town called Peculiar, Peculiar, Missouri. And that's where I put that I'm from. And that's where she had, I was, you know, she had, Brad was born in Peculiar, Missouri. (laughs) You know, I wasn't. I was never born there. Matter of fact, I've never been there. I think I was there once. I was driving from Springfield up to Kansas City. So, so that's, you know, once again, not all, but most journalists today are L-A-Z-Y. Lazy. Lazy. Because slothy but because it's just like me going up to like when the thing was going on with with the Michael Brown riots I was there I don't know how many nights during the day I was there the day after the thing happened I could tell you stories that nobody has ever printed you know and I can tell you stories about you should write a book uh, I keep nobody on telling you nobody that. cares nobody cares. They do care, nobody Brad. Ca- nobody cares because, in fact, it's not the narrative they want to hear. I mean, I told the story about people having barbecues, you know, uh, after the day after Michael Brown was shot. They're having, bar- they're having a party. People are bringing coolers. They're bringing portable grills. They're grilling up stuff. It was a party. They're having a party. They weren't there to protest. They were there to have fun. And if I tell that story, people go, well, how can that be? Well, you mean that there were people... Those are professional... No they were not they were Protesters. They were people who wanted to be they wanted to be where things were happening. There was news crews there, there was all sorts of stuff going on. They wanted to be where things were going down. You know, People like, are like that, though. I get it, but once again, the news narrative is that everybody there was protesting because this black man was killed by a, a terrible racist white police officer. That's the narrative. That's the narrative that everybody wants. That a you know young remember when it first came out, he was the gentle giant, and then the the footage came out of right before he got shot, he was pushing that little dude in the convenience store around, you know, like, you know, pushing him like, you know, here's this great big dude, and he's like manhandling this little tiny Iranian dude that owns the, the Quickie Mart up the street. You know, it's like, okay, he's the gentle giant, all right? Yeah, he's beating the crap out of that dude, you know, but yet the narrative didn't fit, and they still, well, that's, well, that, 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 I, I've had people say to me that video is fake video. I mean, think about that. Some people, you know, like, faced with the fact, oh, that that was fake video. That wasn't him. That wasn't, that wasn't, that was somebody that, that, somebody did that in Photoshop or something. Like, yeah, right, whatever. You know what I mean? And remember the hands up, don't shoot? Never happened. Oh, yeah. You know, never happened. No, it didn't. But yet the narrative is, this is the narrative people want. So the narrative was, like, for example, there were journalists that were having, journalists were targeted during the Michael Brown thing. I know one guy. I know one guy, Tony Colombo, who used to work at ninety-seven not one, and I was one of the refugees. He told the story about how he went there with a couple of his guys to do, like, they had some nice, you know, video cameras, A whole bit. They got bum-rushed, and they got all their equipment stolen. There were people there to steal the reporter's equipment. Because if you're... Again, professional once again but once but nobody um. nobody ever told that story nobody ever told the story about how some of the people in the crowd at the, uh, the Michael Brown protest were there to steal the reporters equipment and they weren't there to defeat the reporters from reporting because they know that if the guy's you know using a canon you know 1d mark 3 it's a six thousand dollar camera he's probably got a you know a four thousand dollar lens on he's got ten thousand dollars of the camera equipment hanging around his neck you know you grab that thing you, you know he probably doesn't have the thing you know the, he probably doesn't have the serial number you grab it you take it you stick it on ebay you know for three thousand dollars bang you just made 3k you know what i mean and nobody would ever say well that's not what happened i mean you know once again i was there i saw this crap I saw people show up with coolers and, and barbecue pits, and they were having parties. And they were, you know, if I and I told that to someone someday, and they got mad at me. Well, that that didn't happen. Everybody there was protesting. I go, no, they weren't. There were pro- there were people there who were genuinely protesting, but there are a lot of people there just like to cause trouble, just to stir the pot, and just to have a fun. It was party time. And the interesting thing was, I've had other reporters say the same thing to me. You know, the story that was never told about the Michael Brown thing. Once again because of the fact that that's not the narrative. And if you put that in the Post-Dispatch, people would say, that never happened. That was, that was, how do you know? You weren't there. I was, I saw it, I got video. You know, if I told you this or not, I found one of my iPads that I hadn't, like I lost, I thought I lost it. And you know what I had on? I had probably, I don't 40 or 50 pictures I took uh, in Ferguson, I had video of a parade that I forgot about. They had a parade there right down West Flarsen with the, the guy from the State Highway Patrol. If you remember that whole story that, you know, Governor Nixon sent in this guy who was a uh, black captain of the Missouri Highway Patrol, and he and he was leading the parade. They're trying to, you know, get everybody, you know, m- not mad at the police anymore. And he got into all sorts of grief. People called him Uncle Tom and stuff like that. I'm going, like, oh, okay. oh, dear. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, the things I saw, is was like, oh, my God terrible thing and you know once again it's like the thing spun out of control and it became there's a reporter a news reporter from the post dispatch that talks about remember how the people saying, you know the police shouldn't have armored personnel carrier they shouldn't have you know you know weapons of war they shouldn't have m-16s and they shouldn't have have you know armor, armor personnel carriers one of the reporters from from the Post-Dispatch, one of the photographers, got to ride in one of the armored personnel carriers. And this guy was a veteran. He talked about the bullets bouncing off the armored personnel carrier. Okay, think about that for a minute. They're shooting at the police. I mean, how crazy is that? But yet, did anybody report that? Nope, that didn't get reported. I bet you it would have if they found a the body. <laughs> well, if if it would have been one of the cops who would have been shot, uh, you know, he shouldn't have been there. You know, but if it was a protest, oh my God, pro God protesting got shot. And you know what the worst part of it is? What? Houston's known as Wham Bam Slam Slam. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Okay. It's I'm sorry? Never mind. It's seven twenty eight. <laughs> oh.